Welcome to the 52nd episode of the Baseball Eyes Have It podcast. I am your host, Chris Blessing. It was a great week of coverage for me checking out Reds prospects in AA. Subscribers, look for my article on Reds pitching prospect Andrew Abbott on Thursday. If you are not a subscriber to Baseball HQ, you're missing out on a lot of great coverage site-wide, including content from my guest actually this week so uh he is actually the newest addition to the miners team at baseball hq like me he will be primarily providing scouting reports in the eyes have it series uh at the website so let me welcome trevor Huth to the show trevor how are you doing i am doing great chris i want to thank you so much for having me on and and really just uh just having me a part of this team creating content because uh, baseball hq is awesome and I'm, I'm proud to be here I'm happy to have you. I was really excited to bring you on uh, our prospect team. Uh, Trevor and I have been acquainted for a few years now uh, via Twitter. Uh, some friends in common, including Jeff Ponce uh, and some of the folks at uh, uh, Prospect Live, where you uh, were last uh, before coming over here. Uh, last year, you hosted a panel that featured Jeff and an organizational scout friend of ours and um, myself for Pitchers List PitchCon. And I really thought you did a wonderful job hosting. Uh, you asked a lot of great questions, and it, you really kind of made it click. Because I, you know, before you came aboard, Jeff and I were were very confused on how it was going to work out for us. Uh, we have tremendous respect for this uh, organizational scout. Neither of us really consider ourselves scouts, but we're something. Um, if not a scout, we're an evaluator, I guess. But it's really kind of a weird thing. So um, I had an interest in bringing you uh, to collaborate with you, really, um, since that moment. And I'm happy you've come aboard. So, Trevor, you have a unique background. Would you like to share about your journey and how you got to Baseball HQ and uh, how you got involved in evaluation? Yeah, man, I kind of fell into it, if I'm being honest with you. I, uh, I So I played baseball through college. Got my nice communication degree, figuring out what I want to do there, thinking maybe I'll do a, a career or try to do a career, I should say, in, um, in well, calling games, play-by-play for, for baseball games. Uh, and, and that hasn't quite worked out. I now work full-time at a school. I got to live my dream of calling a minor league baseball game thanks to one Mr. Dan Hasty with the West Michigan Whitecaps. He said, hey, you want to come up and do a half inning? I said, absolutely, I do. Um, so I got to do color. So I did get to live that dream. But um, while I was in college, while I was playing, I kind of just picked up writing. And most of the writing I was doing was breaking news or uh, just maybe some opinion pieces here and there. And eventually I got asked to cover a minor league thing. And I thought, this is kind of fun. So I became your uh, typical stat line scout where I'm just wa- looking at stat lines saying, hey, I like this guy. And then one way or another, I found my way to watching games, which you know eventually led to me going to games. And um, I got fortunate enough to to meet Jeff along the way, really. Um, I was working at Pitcher List at the time, uh, covering Dynasty content. And I, I was I was lucky enough to hook up with Jeff, who brought me on to uh, uh, Prospects Live and really started to kick that whole Prospects player evaluation thing into gear. And I, I'm, I'm so happy he did. Jeff and Prospects Live did a lot of good work. I, I sent somebody over, a guy who's now a scout, uh, 
and a listener. So if uh, if you're listening, you know who you are uh, over there. He asked me who I should go work with, and I was like, well, there's Jeff Ponce. I can only help you out so much. Uh, uh, he can help you out a great deal, and plus he needed people at the time. So uh, so many great guys have, have come through there. Um, they've kind of sprung all out, including Jeff, who's now at Baseball America and who's a frequent uh, guest. I mean, uh, he's been on three times, so that's a frequent guest for me. I don't normally have. Uh, I think we've had two people on twice, so he he's the leading guest uh, uh, that we go to. So, uh, but yeah, like uh, it, it's great. I I got to share a nice moment actually Easter Sunday uh, with you, going through your article and going through how our player rating system works and you know it's it's different it's funny our our player rating thing was actually created by a guy named Derek uh, McKamey who's currently a scout with the St. Louis Cardinals Um, and so like it's kind of funny that this this very unique evaluation thing is something that a scout came up who's now probably working off the 2080 scouting scale Uh, can you tell us like and I Brent and I have talked about this, so it's good to be honest, but it it is difficult transitioning to something when you've learned off of a 2080 scouting scale. Can you go into that a little? Yeah, it was a, it was a little weird um, because I am looking 2080, you know, what do I think this guy is? But it, it all, it all translates. If, if I go through and think about what the final grade is, or really just if I think about how I would talk about this player to, say you or Jeff or whoever else I'm talking to, it's kind of, it's different. And it took a second to get used to. I think I talked to you and I, I, I had a conversation with, with myself just uh, through text to you, I think trying to figure out where to get one guy. And you know, that, that happens. But I, I, the way I looked at it was how would I describe this player? Because you gave me this nice little uh, scale to go off of. If this is what I think they are, this is the number it correlates to. And so um, I, I think it does a good job of, of that really of, of saying, okay, this is what I think this guy is. So here's what I got. And then instead of seeing, you know, a risk high, medium, low, it's, it's a percentage. So it's a little different, but all in all, it's, it's the same thing. And it really just takes getting used to, okay, this is how I see this guy. This is that number he's going to be. I know I bounced back and forth uh, with my live looks. Uh, uh, Cooper Jerpy was a big one for me. I could not just pin down what I wanted from him. Uh, and I think that's the one I had that conversation with myself about. So, um, it's different. I think it's not, um, it's, I like it as much as, as working with a 2080 scale though, if I'm being fully honest, just because it, I think it, it does everything that I want it to. I, I, on, I, I go back and forth between assigning guys roles and signing guys, uh, player ratings. Uh, so on this podcast, I'll talk a lot about role three guys being kind of up, down guys. Or that sixth or seventh reliever, somebody like stuck way back in that pen that's barely used that ends up being an up down guy. Um, and then like in our vernacular, an up down guy ends up being like a five. So like it's not necessarily a guy that um, that we would be talking about uh, for a podcast. But like when I'm doing amateur stuff, or even when I'm doing uh, the high A covers, like what we're gonna get to with you. Uh, like last week, I, I, or two weeks ago, I saw the Braves team and um, actually I've seen the Braves last two weeks, but I, the double A team. So it was last week against Andrew Abbott. Um, and like 
for a double A team, it was hard for me to pull out two roll three guys. So like definitely not somebody, not a team I'm writing up for anything, you know, because in our vernacular, we don't really care about fives. Um, because they're just gonna unless they're pitchers and they're steamable type thing. And so that's one of the things that's kind of uh, sets baseball HQ apart. Um, anyway, um, kind of moving on to uh, uh, another part of this is uh, you debuted last week, uh, as you mentioned. Um, and as I mentioned, the Ice Have It article was uh, scouting reports on four prospects, two of them from the Twins organization, Emmanuel Rodriguez, who's gotten some considerable buzz, and Jose Salas. Uh, and then a Cardinals prospect, uh, two Cardinals pitching prospects, Tink Kent, um, who I don't – have you heard anything about his injury? Is, is it serious? If it's not, have you heard anything? Um, I have not seen anything as of right now, no. Me neither. I, and I haven't really asked around. I, I, I guess it's uh, the day job kicking my butt right now. I, I just uh, – I shut down during the day. <laughs> And that's when you communicate with people. So, uh, cause they're not working baseball games. Right. Um, and then, uh, the other guys, Cooper, uh, or is it Cooper Jerby? Jerby? Cooper Jerby. Yep. Yeah. That's what I thought. I don't know why I, I, I read his name. Like that's not correct, but yeah, Cooper Jerby, another Cardinals guy. So first off, I'm going to ask you about each of these prospects. Um, and, and to give a quick scouting report, uh, the subscribers have had the scouting report for, about a week now. So, um, you know, the, of course there are premium, you know, premium people cause they're the ones paying for our content. Um, but I just want you to give a general rundown of each guy, maybe not an upside or anything, maybe not give that, but a general rundown on each guy. We're going to then discuss uh, a point about each guy. And I think it's natural to start with the, with one of the two guys that has the huge helium right now. And that's uh, outfielder from the Twins uh, system, Emmanuel Rodriguez. Uh, uh, what were your thoughts? I know you got two live looks and a, and a video look at him. Uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez is um, interesting because I think there's a lot of skills there. The power is definitely real. I can tell you this, Chris. After I released that article, after Baseball HQ released that article, um, I would get sent tweets every time he does something well. He hit two home runs the two days after that article released, and I got the same tweets about six times uh, because I didn't I didn't gush as much as as has happened with him in the past. I still think he's a good player. Obviously, you know he's he's 20 years old, but uh, so there's a lot of upside, a lot of a lot of things that can still happen. I think the power's real. Um, I think there's just a lot more to work on than than meets the eye with him. And I think that's kind of the headline that I, I walked away with from my live looks at him. Yeah. So far this year, he's uh, 185 average 324 on base percentage. Um, I think the slugging is at 630. So like, you know, what you said, um, a guy that hits a lot of home runs, uh, he struck out 17 times so far. Did you know that? I didn't know it was 17, but I'd believe it. And here's here's why. It's it's you look at that that monumental that as astronomical walk rate that he had in low A, and then you come on to high A and you try to bring that same approach where you hardly swing before two strikes, which is what I saw out of him. Maybe he's he's gotten more aggressive now, but um, when I saw him, it was kind of wait until two strikes and then start to let the hands go a little bit, and that's going to put you in some bad spots. And I think with better pitching and high A than low A, 
he's finding himself in bad spots and not able to to catch up to it and and so he's striking out a lot more yeah last year he had a 57 uh to 52 walk to strikeout rate this year he has five walks to 17 strikeouts already and he has seven games uh but that's a i mean he struck out 17 of the 27 official at bats that he's had so He's only made contact ten times, uh, and and then walked five times. So it's it's it's. I mean, that's pretty scary. I mean, next time some next time he hits a home run, maybe you retweet his strikeout uh, rate because <laughs> uh, that is not healthy whatsoever. Um, and, and that goes into our discussion here. Um, so last year, and and the listeners have heard me and have probably heard it at nauseum. But the conversation um, around him has always been that walk rate in in Class A. Uh, you know, sourcing people. There was a lot of thought that he was basically cheating the strike zone. As many people know, there's an automated strike zone in um, Class A or Class Low A um, Florida State League, and. He was taking full advantage of that. So move on to a league that does not have that. And my whole argument was that the on-base percentage was going to plummet. Because in the rookie ball, it wasn't it was high, but it wasn't like extremely high. It wasn't like this huge um, you know, for whatever it was. Um so I believe that the experimental nature of the Florida State League has fueled Emmanuel Rodriguez's helium. And what you saw was the helium being sucked out. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I think so a little bit. It makes sense that he was able to to work that from the Florida State League. And um, it, it, he looked like he didn't quite belong in, in high A, if I'm being completely honest. Not that he doesn't have the skills to be there eventually. or Because he would foul stuff off, but against the good arms, he looked lost. And and I don't I don't use that lightly, um, and I still think he has the upside. Again, I can't say that enough. I'm not saying he's not going to be a good player at all. It's just I don't think he's where we, as as a public, think he is right now. Just because he didn't really let his hands go, and I and I think that helped him again with the automated strike zone. He works that system, and um, arms get better. They get to command the ball just a little bit more. Whatever that difference is between low and high A, and yeah, you see the helium sucked out a little bit. Well, one last point. Um, this kid, without the walks, is scary. Like, it's a scary profile if he's striking out mm -hmm. that often. So I, I think that it's very important for listeners to evaluate this. I, it, it, if I was going to say anything right now, especially with uh, the buzz that came out of him um, you know, hitting a hard single against Garrett Cole and then hitting that home runoff of Albert Abreu in the minor in in spring training against the Yankees that was televised. My advice right now is probably to sell him. Would you agree? That's what I've done also. Yeah, I absolutely have. I had one share and it's gone now. <laughs> yeah, I actually still have my share. Um my my home league does not trust me when I try to get rid of guys. <laughs> So I have to like almost suggest it like, you know, as a secondary thing in a trade. Oh, I really like Manuel Rodriguez is off off uh I, I shouldn't be telling this because now they're gonna not even use that anymore. Hopefully um, they don't listen. Uh they probably do. There's at least a few of them that do. Um, because I'll see guys I'll talk about and then 
get on there. And I should have already picked them up because they picked them up. So time to sell. I, I think that's what um, both Trevor and I agree on. So moving on to somebody more interesting, a pitcher that you got to see healthy who left the last game not healthy, but we haven't really heard any news out of there. And for me, no news on on a prospect leaving a game's good at this point. That tells me that he is not being scheduled to see Dr. Andrews for a <laughs> uh, elbow injury because it usually happens fairly quickly. We saw it with Kay Cavalli. Like, it was just like, all right, yeah, and he's going to need uh, Tommy John. But – uh, run down a healthy Tink Hentz uh, of the Cardinals, the right-hander. Um, run him, run your scouting report on him down. It's it's electric. Um, I, I mean, if you like guys who can throw 97 to 99, I think Tink Hentz might be your guy because uh, that's where I had him at, and he was moving it around pretty well. Uh, his his slider was moving okay. I think in the look that I saw, I'd say that's the third pitch of of the three that he showed. Um, fastball looked really good slider. He just had a tendency to bury, I think was my biggest issue with it. It was, it had enough movement. I don't think he had the command quite there. The changeup though, I'll tell you what, that changeup flashed, uh, flashed plus if you ask me, cause, uh, it had a ton of movement. He was, he was using it a lot. He was using it well. And, um, honestly, I, I walked away really impressed from when I watched a video performance of Tink Hens in the Florida state league a year ago to when I saw him debuting it in Peoria it was a lot more, it was a lot better in terms of, of just being a pitcher instead of a thrower and using the full arsenal. Yeah. I, I got to see him in the Arizona folly with, uh, with our friend Jeff and uh, you know, there it wasn't as electric. It was obvious. He was working on a few things um, that change up when he threw it was very uh, under, yeah, like it was very previous to that. Uh, talking to people it was very understated and after that i was like wow this guy has significantly three pitches uh, there could be four four there um the one thing he was struggling with in the arizona fall league in the appearance i saw was maintaining the shapes of his slider and his curveball um and and that's something that happens to a lot of young guys i don't really disqualify that um i don't you know, I, I think that there's a potential for at least three plus pitches here. Um, when all of it, all said and ugh, all is said and done, I'm tongue tired. <laughs> oh my god, tongue tied today. Sorry, folks. It was a long day at the day job, and uh, apparently, it's uh, now creeped into my uh, night job. So anyway, uh, take well, lean. And I think that was the one thing that really kind of took me aback when I saw him live. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't necessarily see it on the on video, but he's a very lean guy. Would you agree? Yeah, he still is very lean. Um, I don't know if maybe that fills out. And, and just since you were talking about the one uh, drawback that I have with Tink, and I don't again, it was it was cold weather and it was his first start, so I guess take that with a grain of salt if you want. But uh, his nineties. 799 turned into like 93 94 mostly by his last inning of work and he pitched four innings when i saw him so holding that velocity is going to be something i pay attention to when it comes to tank but yeah definitely to answer your question he looked he looked lean when i saw him as well i i i don't think he's tristan mckenzie lean nobody is 
Um, <laughs> and um, CJ Edwards is another name that always comes up. That was a that was a guy that had similar sort of buzz to Tink Hens um, in the mm-hmm. minor leagues. Uh, but the the difference between CJ and Tink from from my evaluation, from your evaluation, is uh, there's a better feel for for a his when he's at a premium velocity. Um, he's still able to get to the strike zone. That was one of my problems with C.J. Edwards was I didn't necessarily think that that he could keep his command. I thought he had reliever command, um, and I thought he would be better as a reliever. And you know, he hasn't really had that career either. Um, been kind of an up down um, roll three, roll four type guy in his career. Um, but we don't normally see guys today this lean. Um, I would say that he has an advantage over over Edwards is I think he's a much better athlete than 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 Edwards who similar frame. Um, uh, I think that's what sets Tristan McKenzie apart is Tristan's a, a phenomenal athlete. Anytime you see a guy that has that can throw a good changeup, uh, usually they're going to be a good athlete. It, it, there's a correlation in that. Um, because you're you're imitating arm slot and that kind of thing. How much would you discount that? What was your rating, by the way? Oh gosh, uh, I don't have it in front of me, and I don't remember. Okay, well, I'll, uh, tell me how much you would have, uh, how much you would um, discount it, and I'll get it for you. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's there's, I think I would have had a, a little bit higher risk. I believe I had him at nine, um, and then. I can't remember the risk number, but I, I think there's significant upside there, both as a starter and and I know it's hard to, to project this, but as a reliever, I mean, if he can touch the upper 90s as a starter, I think you could throw him in a bullpen and give him some important innings um, at, at some point if he doesn't work out as a starter. So um, I don't know. It's hard to discount him for any reason. Maybe that's just the... Uh, I haven't done it for enough years to be able to think like that, but I just, what he presented on the field, it's, it's, it's a talented arm. And uh, as you mentioned, he's a really good athlete. I love that changeup. So I'm kind of walking around this question because I'm not a hundred percent sure how to answer it. <laughs> well, your, your ratings, the nine C and, and really and truly like that is, that is my, my rating as well. It's a nine C on hence. Uh, I believe we might've had, we had nine E in the, in the preseason. Um, which is the conservative and made sense, um, but but seeing what what I saw in the uh, uh, fall league and what you saw in that first start, it was definitely a guy that has improved, has gotten better, uh, and our nine E was most likely based on a, a viewing from last year, probably the same viewing that you had in the Florida State League <laughs> right. on video. And Bradenton, uh, and Bradenton <laughs> yep. everybody. Everybody Bradenton's the best. I mean, uh, I'll also say thank you to Port St. Lucie for having one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bradenton is the best, one of the best feeds in all of baseball. Get alone, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Um, and and having all that data with you too, it, it makes scouting so. So that's another thing. I know we got off of Manuel Rodriguez, but he had a really good series against Bradenton last year. And and that also propelled the hype a little. Um, so it's almost better if guys don't perform great at Bradenton. Um, that's how you'll get. That's how you'll get sleepers this year. Uh, perform well against everybody else, but not Bradenton. So this is kind of back to hints. The way that I discount uh, discount this. Um, 
So what you explained here sounds like a 9B prospect, like going through your scouting report, uh, swing and miss stuff, um, showing off a bit more command, doing that with multiple pitches uh, across the board. Uh, But he's also thin, lean, uh, and lost velocity. And lost velocity, you know, as the game wore on. And yes, it's the first game in a very cold season up north. But still, putting that in there, he would go in my eyes from a 9B to a 9C. Yeah. It's how dynamic he is. And it's okay to put a 9B because it's a 70% chance. But, it, you know, you wouldn't have been wrong if you said a 9B on this guy. It would be a 30% chance. I think that he's moved away from the 9E, which, uh, and you don't know this yet, but we try to stay away from 9Es in high A. That's like a low A and below type ranking because by high A, you should start seeing it if the all-star part is still going to be a part of the play. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And you know what? I Just to add a 9B, 9C, whatever percentage you want to throw on it, when you watch a guy like Tink, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, when you watch a guy like Tink, you can just tell to a degree higher than a lot of other guys on that field. There's something there, right? The, the, I was told this by a scout. The guys always let themselves know who they are or let you know who they are early on, and, and Tink was one of those people. They're kind of like special assignment scouts when you go out to places like this. And we want guys to perform, but we also want to see them have a bit of struggle. Um, like, I didn't get to see a bit of struggle from Andrew Abbott the other night. But, like, that's the thing is I feel like you almost had a perfect look at Pink Hens right now. Uh, you got all the good stuff, and then you got a little bit of the bad stuff. Um, and that's all you can ask for a look. Uh, you got to you did some video scouting for this guy, uh, Cooper uh, Jerpy, uh, who is a left-handed pitcher who was drafted last year. Um, and Jerpy's a bit unorthodox, uh, would be I guess the way to explain it. Uh, from Boston College, am I right? Yes, from Boston College, okay. he was the Cardinals' first rounder, and and I'll tell you what, he's weird. You mentioned it. I'm just going to use a different word than you did. He's weird. <laughs> well, um, what was your quick scouting report on him? Yeah, so uh, I actually I was there for for his start as well, and um, he he had a really good slider. He was using a bunch of different pitches. I think he has five different pitches uh, between his four seam, two seam cutter, slider, changeup, um, and and he used them all. He used them all pretty well. The slider was the the biggest pitch for me. I thought it was his best pitch. He used his changeup really well, also. Um, his velocity wasn't quite what I expected. Um, he did touch 92. I figured he would live more in that 90 to 92 area. He was living in the 88, 89 again for start cold weather rinse and repeat. So we'll see and and monitor how that goes. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was overall pretty good. He, uh, the command looked a little bit off or maybe just not as advanced as you'd think from a college arm, but, uh, he showed that he had a, a good arsenal. And I think that was a good starting place for him uh, in terms of a college arm, D1 arm from Boston College going to the Midwest League. I mean, competition wise, uh, I don't know. It's, it's maybe a sidestep, maybe a little bit harder, maybe a little less. Either way, he didn't perform, I don't think, the best, but he did show off what he could do. I don't have much history with Jerpy uh, other than kind of talking to some smack when he got drafted because <laughs> I, I – 
I understand why he was a first rounder. First off, let's just say this in 2019, uh, Cooper would not be a first round pick. Uh, only in today's game, uh, a guy like him, uh, would be a first round pick. Um, what's unusual about him obviously is that arm slot it's like a sidearm slot uh essentially it's it's a slot that's very hard to pick up uh, especially when you're used to seeing guys throw it three quarters or maybe like sometimes low three quarters or you know over the top or high three quarters you don't see sidearm that often uh especially at this velocity even like even at 88 90 miles per hour so um, this guy's an unusual look, especially for a lot of these minor leaguers, especially from the left side. Um, there's a lot of hand, uh, arms and legs moving and those sort of things. Um, whoa, I think your rating on him was a seven C, which was the same rating that our writer in the off season had. And, and really the same, um, same one that I handed out when he got drafted. Um, my problem with him is it's hard for me to buy into something different. Does that make sense? I get that. He kind of reminds me, like I've always been the high guy on the guy like on, on Logan Allen, ever since he got drafted, I was always really on him. I had really good Intel. I knew it was a, a, a lower arm slot. I think he delivers the ball at like five, three, five, two, something like that. Something ridiculous like that. Um, and like Logan has finally kind of caught on with everybody else because um, now everybody's pretty high on him. Uh, but at the time, it was very unusual not to be on it. But I had some science behind that. Uh, and when the Guardians took him in the second round, it, it just really kind of made sense. They've added velocity to Logan Allen. And let's be fair, the Cardinals are known for as an organization that develops pitching. But when, like, they don't, I feel like the Guardians have earned their right. Um, the Guardians, the Rays, the Dodgers, the Astros, they've earned their right of saying that they've developed guys and they, you know, add the velocity. They can take, uh, you know, regular prospects, guys that look like roll four guys and turn them into roll five, uh, even roll six guys if you look at Shane Bieber. Um, hmm. But, the Cardinals, it's Jack Flaherty, who is a big guy. Like, I I just don't see the same track record. So when it, I hate to say this, but sometimes when an unusual guy gets drafted by a team that I haven't seen them develop any unusual guys, um, it's a little concerning, and I don't necessarily put as much stock in it. I know that's unfair. Um, have you ever like changed your evaluation based on the organization? Like, I know that you regularly cover the Tigers, uh, who are not really known um, for uh, pitching development. Um, like, does that ever cross your mind when you're when you're rating guys? Uh, I think it would if it was one of the teams that you mentioned. If it was the Dodgers, the Rays, the the Guardians. Um, you know, I watched last year. I watched Emmett Sheehan. And he spun a complete gem in front of me. And then I look at his stats and he's walking a million guys per nine or whatever it was. It probably wasn't a million. That seems a little high. But um, it was, you know, he had a high walk rate. And I'm just watching him. And I'm like, you know what? The Dodgers are going to get him here. He, he's going to do this all the time. So, yeah, it does sometimes. 
And if, if Cooper Jerpy played for the Rays, I would probably throw a higher grade on him and just say, hey, he's going to be a dynamite reliever because this is what the Rays do. They try to get a hand for every number on the clock mm-hmm. out of their bullpen. Uh, and, and that could have been a great number for him. But uh, it, it didn't cross my mind when it came to the Cardinals. Um, and when I was watching Jerpy, it kind of was still just what's in front of me right now. And, and I'll tell you what, if he does... Even even if he doesn't tick up a little bit, let's just say he lives 88, 89, even though in the past he's been more, I looked it up and he's been more 90 to 92-ish. Um, but even if he stays there, it's that tick up in command, maybe half a grade tick up something. It's just finding a little bit more command because if he does, then you're looking at a guy who is weird enough with five different pitches and command and that I think becomes a lot more interesting than what I saw. Not that I didn't see necessarily a starter. I'd say it was a, a, a five, a four, maybe five, maybe guy long relief just based on what I saw. But if you can get that command up a little bit, I think you have a, a, a solid enough back end starter, which if you want to take that out of a first round pick, that's fine. But their Cardinals are still waiting on Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson and all these other first round pitchers, even though they didn't take, Matthew Libertor, but they're waiting on their first round pitchers to to finally make that push and join their their rotation. So I think that'll show us a lot more if we can believe in that in that um, pitching development a little more than we do right now. Is if we see Libertor and, and Thompson do well right now, you got Tink who's exciting, you got Jerpy who I think could be a pretty decent starter, and and you're kind of hoping the the pitching development works out for them at this point and. You know, if we're talking dynasty, if we're talking fantasy, and and I don't, it, the number would have to be pretty high for total prospects for me to want to roster Chirpy personally. Yeah, same here. R- the the amateur scouting department's phenomenal with the Cardinals, and I think they do a really good job of developing hitters. Um, it, it, I think they're an average development place for pitching, and that is where I feel like a guy like him, like Tink, can you know guys that are so gifted. Could, can still it doesn't matter if it's an average it's not we're not talking about the cardinals being poor at developing pitchers it, it's more so that they're not exceptional um and seeing a guy with a slot like this it's almost like uh, we'd like to see him more with an exceptional team um that does development now if this was a hitter we, i mean we've seen them transform uh mason win swing we've seen them constantly uh continually bring up guys uh to the major leagues that are contributors to that team or or guys that they even trade away that end up being contributors for other teams uh and so like i I, like again it's just it's just a little bit of a criticism hopefully none of my friends uh that are cardinals uh matt thompson uh doesn't don't come after (laughs) me no and and you know the cardinals do a good job i remember what what how you're kind of talking about Jerpy is kind of how I remember the discourse being about Walker when they took him in the first round uh, in was that 2020. I don't, yeah. I don't remember there being a lot of excitement. It was kind of just like, okay, but what the, what the Cardinals do generally is they take, seems like I should say um, they take who they perceive to be the best available. And if they thought that was Jerpy, they, uh, they might see something. It, it is a very smart organization. And I, like you said, we're not coming after the Cardinals for any reason. Uh, it's just, with a weird pitcher, it can be a, a little interesting to try to develop him. And uh, I'm excited to see what they can do because I'm going to see the glass half full here. And I'm going to think that they picked him because he's weird, because they have a plan for it. 
Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic and, and hopefully something works out because I think that could be a really fun arm, if not just to watch as a, as a fan of the game of baseball. I, I mean, I saw Walker. I was like one of the only guys that saw Walker, and I've told the podcast several times that I it was one of the worst looks at a good prospect that you could ask, <laughs> absolutely have. The only thing worse was my James Wood look. Um, it, it just happens. But, like, you could see the, the, the ability there, and everybody screamed about Jordan Walker's makeup. And, and, and that's one of the things about Jerpy, and what I'm getting to is that's – that's one of the equalizers there is Jerpy's apparently a very high makeup guy, a guy mm-hmm. that um, that is a worker who will and, and maybe that will, you know, if you're on the fence, uh, you know, the, on the fence about taking uh, if you're in a bigger format league, uh, taking Jerpy, just know that like that guy is probably going to work harder than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what the reports say that that guy is tremendous. So um Enough about pitchers. This next one's interesting because um, <laughs> Jose Salas was a guy that during the offseason I had coverage with when he was still with the Marlins organization. Um, and this was a pretty amazing uh report from you because I had him at an upside grade grade of 8D and after your look you put him at a 6C which I'll be (laughs) honest with you was bold well you know it was warranted you want to go through that real quick yeah and and something I've told you I I know this about myself I am an inherently low grader when it comes to uh you know to putting final grades on guys so uh so i'm an inherently low grader when it comes to putting these kind of grades on guys and so when i saw salas the one thing is he was coming up as a shortstop i didn't get to see him at shortstop they were putting noah miller there instead um and uh and he went to he played second and i saw him play third and i apologize if you're getting any background noise um we were recording this on the road after a, after a baseball game I coached. But, uh, yeah, so I saw him at second and third. And that makes me think that he may wind up being more of a um, utility bench role or a platoon guy somewhere just, just filling in. And, and that's not what led into my grade. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily love the actions at third. I thought he looked really good at second. I think he could be a really good defensive second baseman. But um, it was his approach at the plate. I there was some bat to ball. I, it, his hands are quick. It's a really quick, compact swing. I'll give him that. He just didn't seem to have an approach from from what I saw. These two games I saw, and he didn't really get into anything. He didn't look like he was necessarily close to getting into anything. It just, it just didn't. The hit tool didn't look like it was going to be there for him to access whatever he might be able to access with a compact, quick swing like he has. So, I think there's a. I don't know that I don't believe in the hit tool as much after watching him for two games. That doesn't necessarily mean much. Uh, maybe it was just a bad look like you had with, uh, with Walker and with wood and, and maybe I just missed something, but I just didn't see a guy who's necessarily going to make that giant impact as a starter, like the rest of the guys that I wrote about. And so I, there's still plenty of upside with Salas. I think he's still really young. He still might be a teenager. If I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, you know, Switch hitter, 
solid defensive actions, quick compact swing. There definitely could be something there. It's just not something that I saw as well uh, in those two games that I that I was at. So I uh, aesthetically in batting practice, this is what I wrote for Fantasy Impact uh, back in, uh, I think I wrote him up in October. Um, no, it was in November. It was after I saw him in batting practice at Fall Stars. Uh, aesthetically in BP, Salas looks the part of a solid overall prospect with above average power potential. It hasn't carried over to the games. It's a sweet swing from the left-hand side. Uh, when going good, hopefully it starts uh, showing up in games to enable the profile to get to the projection. I think that was, uh, we're still not seeing the games. I hate it. By the way, I hated his right hand swing. Uh, the bat wrap um, uh, was very evident in uh, scouted appearances, both on video and at uh, in Arizona. Um, I also don't like the fact that he doesn't really use his lower half. Um, so I kept him at an 8D really kind of based off of batting practice. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but, um, I think that sometimes batting practice is really good. It, it could fool you, but it's good to at least see what the guy is trying to do. And from the left-hand side, he's, he's got the pieces in place that he could actually be good. Um, yeah, that, that was true in game also. I mean, and the first time that I really went, okay, I get it, was a left-handed swing. Um, and I think he, it was kind of a soft liner and he lined out, but I, I definitely saw the swing there. So it was, it was really smooth. It, it looked like it, it might work. So, um, yeah, I definitely know. I, I definitely can agree with you on that. So I would, after your report, probably bump him down to a seven C myself. Uh, luckily I don't have, uh, twins coverage anymore. Uh, uh, so like, that's, uh, that's a good thing. Um, but like the thing is, is a six C could make sense too. You could sell me on that as well. I think he's, I think he will do a little better this as the season wears on. That's been kind of the, um, kind of the story with him, but like, this is his repeat. He, he ended up, uh, finishing last year. So like, He's got to own this level to maintain his prospect status. Uh, he's outside my top 200 now. Uh, he was just barely in it still. Um, I think that because I went ahead to get a better knowledge of what was going on. I, I, I watched some video of him before this, this thing. And even in the games that you didn't see, I saw the same things you saw. So, like, you're right there. Um, I'm just a little more aggressive with my grade. Um, and you might get there in time. You may never get there. Who knows? You might be, you might be conservative. I think it's better to be conservative about guys, to be honest. Um, do you have anything on tap this week, Trevor? Yeah, I should be hopefully, uh, at some point this week, getting out back out to Peoria. We got, uh, Fort Wayne in town. That means Jackson Merrill and uh, to a much lesser degree and probably not even fantasy relevant. One of my favorite prospects, the Padres have William Cedeno. So I'm excited about that. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, no, just, just getting out. I know that uh, I will hopefully be able to have those tin caps looks on my next, uh, the eyes have it post. It's going to be coming up next week. And yep. um, of course, if I can plug, I, I will have video looks coming up soon on um, just baseball. Uh, so keep an eye out 
for that as well, I'll do some video breakdowns of some arms. I got, uh, I believe Ben Brown is the next one I'm going to have up. So that should be really exciting. I'm, and I'm, I'm excited for that one. I covered Ben Brown last year. I'll, I'll be curious to see what you think. I, I was on the Ben Brown is probably running out of time to be a starting pitcher. Um, if he didn't up his command, um, but oh my God, his stuff is awesome. So I just, between us friends here, and that's you and I, and if you leave it in here, all these podcast listeners we have, um, I am here. I chose this. Uh, I chose Ben Brown as my next uh, article just because I watched him once or twice last year when he was with the Phillies and I didn't see it. And I seem to be the only one now who hasn't seen it yet. So I wanted to just dive in as far as possible because I want to get what I'm missing. And I'm honestly, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, you should go back um, to the game that he pitched against Chattanooga and Mm -hmm. watch what he did to uh, Eli De La Cruz. Um, Yeah, because he did mean things to that man. Um, (laughs) All right. I think think coming over the Cubs, the Cubs – might have uh, gotten more out of him than maybe the Phillies had. And the Phillies had done done some work. Like Phillies had, yeah. had gotten him uh, to become like somebody, uh, somebody that we were talking about. But once he got to the Cubs, it was almost instantaneous how uh, much better he was. So I- I'm looking forward to that. Um, what's that website again? Uh, just Baseball. All right, Just Baseball. For our listeners, I will be out at Hudson Valley. Um, not really in Hudson Valley because that's in New York, but I will be scouting them in Rome, uh, which is not a really good baseball team. So we're not going to talk about Rome, uh, but Hudson Valley is Spencer Jones, a Yankees prospect, Drew Thorpe, another Yankees prospect. And of course, they're all Yankees prospects, but uh, there's also Antonio Gomez and Zach Messenger. Uh, I think Zach Messenger is a guy that's kind of been slept on. So I'm hoping that that my video looks of him during the off season turn out to be real, real deal type stuff. Um, so um, hopefully that's the case, or I'll never mention Zach messenger again. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for joining us on this week's eyes have a podcast. Uh, Brent Hershey will be back for his co-hosting role next week. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can ask us questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at C underscore blessing. Um, what's your Twitter handle? handle? I am at Hooth Trevor, H-O-O-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R. Awesome. You can also find me on Instagram and on uh, TikTok. Uh, Chris, uh, I think it's uh, Chris Blessing uh, BHQ. I should have that nailed down before I mention it, but uh, try to find me. There's a lot of baseball stuff. Uh, I, I did a great thing on Andrew uh, Abbott from last week. Um, 25 balls thrown, 25 whiffs uh, accumulated. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's an unbelievable scouting uh, find for me. Um, anyway, um, for uh, our first-time listeners, the Eyes Have It podcast, click subscribe to get uh, our future episodes. Please rank us as well. Spread the word about us too. Uh, I know that that's hard to do among fantasy players, but uh, please do that. I don't go on Twitter and I don't, I don't really publicize this thing. So I'm hoping the word of mouth helps uh, grow this thing. So anyway, thank you again, Trevor, for being on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Um, and may everyone have a great week.